Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Carrie Corgan, and this is The Opus, an exploration of legendary records and their ongoing legacy. In our latest season, I'm joined by Lizzie Hale, Warren Zanes, Daphne A. Brooks, and many more to revisit Jeff Buckley's Grace. We discuss Buckley's femininity in an era of hypermasculine alt rock, how the record's mythology was shaped by his tragic death, and the delicate work of keeping his legacy alive. Find us at Consequence of Sound or wherever you listen to podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks to all the subscribers so far for, uh, for, for sticking with us and checking out all the multiple interviews every week and saying hello over the various ways that you can say hello in the world these days. And to those of you who might be listening for the first time or multiple times but haven't hit that subscribe button, now's the time. We're always talking to your favorite artists, getting the inside scoops behind uh, their pieces of uh, arts and work and the concepts and, and anniversaries and all of that, so you might as well keep up. And you can do that anywhere you get your favorite podcast from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today my guest is the band Dude York. They're back with a brand new album called Falling. It is their fourth or third, however you count their discography, if the uh, Christmas album is, uh, is an album proper. Anyway, it's their fourth proper release, we'll at least say that, and Falling is one of the most fun records that I've heard this year. I'm going to be talking with Peter, Claire, and Andrew inside a van as they're traveling somewhere across the world and we'll get to hear about uh, how they made the record you know the production going into it what uh, what they learned from the last one going into this one and the themes love and heartbreak rule the day is it a concept record well not exactly and they'll tell you why but there is some through lines through all of the stories We'll also hear how nostalgia plays a big role in this one and the references that make its way into the songs from the killers and the Ramones but how those reference moments also speak to what they're singing about now. We'll also get the stories behind the songs, how it goes, and the latest single should have. It's Kyle Meredith with Dude York. Hey. Let me start with the congratulations because Falling is such a fun record to listen to, and it's so strong. And it's been fun watching, you know, the the accolades roll in. I know you guys are doing great on the college radio charts, and a lot of the uh, our AAA friends are playing you all and just seeing the fans roll out. Congratulations on this one. It's a really good record. Thank you so much. We're pretty proud of it. <laughs> you had a bit more spotlight going into it. I mean, uh, it sincerely held its own as well. 
Do you think that affected how you all wanted to go in on this record? Yeah. I think we wanted to give it some thought, and we wanted to, well, obviously, we always want to come out with something that you're really proud of. We spent so long making Sincerely that by the time we made Falling, we had already done a lot of the work around it that Sincerely didn't quite, the attention that Sincerely didn't get, we gave to Falling because of the expanded time frame we used to work on it, and also the truncated production timeline really helped sort of like finalize decisions. I'm excited to do the next one. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to make a good record after Sincerely, and I think it paid off, but I think I would make different decisions next time. It, when I first saw like how quick the record was done, and I, what was it, like 10 days or something like that once you were in the studio, and in my mind, of course, it's like, oh my God, that that's so quick. But I, I, I suppose it's like that's, that's the way to keep yourself hyper-focused. I mean, even... Even the Pixies, who just came out with a record, did theirs in under three weeks as well. So that, that's got to mean something about how you can go into a studio and say, all right, this has got to be what we do. I would definitely agree with that. I feel like it's really easy in the era of, especially when you're, especially in the area of digital production and so many people building out home studios, which we don't really have that luxury as far as like making something and making it not sound like a wind tunnel or like somebody yelling in a tin can. <laughs> I think it's really easy to spend an eternity thinking about and overthinking a record. And I think for us, definitely a lot of thought went into it in advance, but it was also definitely just the experience for the first time ever of going in and banging out a record and being kind of done with it in like, yeah, in a week and a half or two weeks instead of like three years, like it took to make the first record, which is an insane way to try to make a record. (laughs) And also, when you have, like, no budget to make a record and all of your friends are doing you favors, that's kind of the game you have to play. And you have to be really grateful to everybody who was willing to work with you in that stage of the process, too. With each album, sort of finding a, a new set of, I don't know, parameters is the right word to use, but but it seems like there's sort of a, a new rule book for every single one of your records so far. You know, this one, uh, the story seems to be about splitting the songwriting nearly 50-50, or at least how it's presented on the record, uh, you know, with, with the vocals. Do you find that you're a band still finding your voice a, at all? I would say that we're a band who has yet to repeat a production process. So every every release, we're kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I think that has its good ramifications and its bad ones. I think we're also a, a band that we don't totally hold ourselves to one genre. We're not, I guess we're not afraid to branch off from that because we're very much coming from three different points of view. And the way that the band came together wasn't like, you know, I want to make this kind of music do you want to make this kind of music and like starting from that place it's really like the the combination of three distinct ideas about songs that we want to make and then each song being sort of like an adventure in exploring how we're gonna each bring something different to it you get that too because you know a few songs in and then you drop like this song only wish which like maybe that's only one new sound that's being introduced but but somehow it sounds from time to time, like a completely different thing going on. What kind of song is Only Wish to You? I would wonder if I'd only heard that song by itself without the context of the record, what I would think of it. But when you have like um, a few guitar songs kind of building into it, you know, and, and I'm using just a very broad term when I say a few guitar songs going into it. I don't know what that sound is, but suddenly it sounds like we're hearing something that could be synthy, that could be electronic, you know, and, and goes into that kind of indie pop side of things rather than 
rock as rock goes. That's tight. There's beauty in simplicity too, and, and I don't mean for that to sound like a backhanded compliment at all. I, you know, I don't know how you perceive your own songs, but it seemed like that's also important to you guys. I mean, in, in the tradition of rock and roll, uh, regardless of genre, you're you know you're a rock and roll band. That's how we describe ourselves uh, when um, when we go to gas stations and stuff, and they say, <laughs> "What do you guys?" Do? Say, oh, well, we're a rock and roll band. It's an easy way out. It's the easiest way to describe it, you know. You don't want to get into all these genre-specific things. Yeah, it seems like genre is more of a thing of the past these days, and it's all about formats. You know, we're we're a greatest hits format band. <laughs> I love we're that. greatest hits of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, <laughs> 2000s, 2010s. That's the best way I've ever heard a band explained right there. I absolutely love that. <laughs> The more uh, evil version is to say, we're playlist rock. Playlist rock. Oh. Yeah, if they playlisted us, maybe we'd be playlist rock. Oh. And, by, and by they, I definitely mean uh, certain companies that have nothing to do with radio, which we love. Well, thank you for that. The that's that's nice. feeling of AI indifference. You know, I, I do want to turn to the other side of things, too, because once you get into the record, love and heartbreak rule the day. You all have talked about this in a lot of interviews, that it's not a concept record, especially in the same way coming off of halftime for the holidays might have been. And if it's not a concept mm-hmm. record, how would you describe it? Because there's definitely a thing that is happening. We've been kind of describing it as just a relationship record, but spanning all types of relationships. Not not even all necessarily um, romantic, but definitely like there's a lot of that on there. Do you find that, um, you know, Peter and Claire, do you find that you're, the stories that you're telling start weaving together? It's really interesting to listen maybe unintentionally, some of the songs sound like call-and-answer tunes to a certain degree. I don't know if we ended up doing this that much, but we talked about trying to find that that through line and sequencing it that way. But I think we sort of threw out that. We, we tried a sequence that would be very much kind of like following a storyline because there is, like, you can definitely look at it as a call-and-answer. I think that's kind of one of the fun things about songwriting and having multiple songwriters is like not writing it like intentionally and then finding meaning that you didn't know was in there later. I find I get a lot of solace from writing and the more that Claire writes, the more I'm inspired by the ideas that she brings to the table. So I feel like hopefully that that dynamic becomes audible, especially in the context of the record. It is fun listening to it like that because you know, if you're not in the situation, if you've got a you know a pair of friends that are in the relationship and you're getting it from both sides, it can be two wildly different stories. And I, I find that that's how I get to listen to this record, sort of in that context. That's my favorite read yet. Yeah. Oh yeah, I like that. I like that. That's what I'm going to say from now on. Yeah, it's a bunch of untrustworthy narrators just like talking. <laughs> Wait, you know, I'm going to bring up something that a lot of the narrators, the critics and everything has said, because there's a word that's been tacked onto this. It doesn't seem like you've ran from it, but it is the word nostalgia. And I wondered to you, is it a nostalgia record or how does nostalgia fit into the whole thing as much as everyone has talked about it? I think nostalgia was definitely an important inspiration jumping off point. And I'm glad that a lot of the... um positive reviews that we that we've seen have been feeling that it's adding more to the conversation than just nostalgia but of course it's really important i think it's also telling because you know none of the songs are in the present tense or the future tense so it's hard to avoid nostalgia 
when all of the songs are presented in the past tense. But Peter, I mean, even on some of your songs, you know, Box, you know, people pointed out there's sort of a killer's nod there, how it goes, you know, gives the nod to the Ramones with the fingers and the toes line. Is that something you intentionally wanted to work in, or does that just find its way, you know, into the stream of conscious? Uh, ooh, um, I, it's not something I'm afraid of. Let's put it that way. All right. I think that I think that there's so much great music and so many incredible ideas out there. To say that anybody is trying to work in a vacuum is to do your own relationship with music a disservice, in my opinion. To answer that specific question. I'm always amazed when I know people who start like three or four or five different bands to all do completely different things. I'm amazed at both their discipline and their dedication to uh, putting four or five bands together and practicing and going on tour and making records. That is an insane way to live, and uh, I could never do it myself. But my other feeling about this is just that there is totally a through line of nostalgia and, like, I guess, exploring feelings of what love songs were to you in, like, the, the late 90s, the early 2000s, and maybe even, like, the mid to late 2000s, and, like, how that affects your relationship to music in that time period and how, that, and how coming back to that music as an adult makes you feel, uh, if that makes any sense. It's always a bit scary to kind of get a hold of which timeline is starting to have that moment that, that you were talking about. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm in my 30s, and and for that coming of age moment, really was the late 90s, and now seeing that you know it's it is sort of the mid 2000s. You know, I know the year 2006 is even quoted on this record. And everything is like, oh, oh, that's where we are right now. All right, now now we're talking about you know, <laughs> you know, on the on the rocks that maybe it's hot hot heat or something like that. You know, and, and trying to wrap oh. my head around that part. Yeah, I have to say that I felt. Uh, lucky that 2006 was the year that sort of rhymed the best, but also made sense in my own time. <laughs> 2006 was a much better timeline if that was, you know, sort of a coming age time for you than than mine, because by the late 90s, you know, it was all Sugar Ray and Creed, and it just wasn't the best. Yeah, I was a I was a junior in high school in 2006. It's pretty accurate. I think a lot of the um, a lot of the inspiration points for me on this album are maybe a little bit earlier than that even, but I was talking to a friend of mine about, we were listening to this song that had a nostalgic quality and realizing that now is, you know, now is the 20 year cycle of our sort of nostalgia coming back into fashion. So I was like, oh, well, that's what I'm going to say in interviews now. Like, that's why I had to be a nostalgic record. Like, you have to do that while it's still relevant. Pretty soon it's going to pass. I want to ask about two of the songs, too, two that stood out. Peter, you know, we, I brought up How It Goes a minute ago. I, I think I saw someone talking about feeling like one of the things you're getting on about the, in this song is anxiety. And if that's true, I, I also brought that back around to that Ramones because what you're, you know, I want to be sedated. It, it coming from, from that and the sedation anxiety thing really do go hand in hand together. And, and, and again, maybe that's just complete coincidence. I think that's on purpose. And also, I, to touch on the previous question you were asking about the presence of influence kind of at the forefront of the song, I think that has a lot to do with anxiety as well in terms of, like, imposter syndrome. You know, it's like you, you stick with something long enough, and then suddenly suddenly people don't see the same criticisms that you've, you sort of feel like you're wearing. Or somebody suddenly gives you a really sharp criticism and you feel like you're wearing 
crazy influences or like you're not hiding it well enough. And so I think that for me in um, that song and how it goes, that sort of further resonates rather than diminishes the resonance. I would say that should have also kind of relates to anxiety, sort of about maybe choice paralysis or just trying to make decisions in life, knowing that you can never know whether it's the right decision or not. And looking out for number one and then also thinking, oh, no, that's not how I want to live my life. One thing I would say about should have is it started with a riff. It's a hell of a riff. I mean, I, I love all the work okay. that's that's done all over this record. And I can keep kind of throwing those compliments out to you. It's just a fun record to listen to. It really is. And whether the characters in these songs, you know, I should say, Regardless of how close they reflect your own selves, I, I do hope that the characters in these songs ended up in good spots by the end of it all, because it, it is seeing that entire arc, you know, you, you just, you want to root for them anyway. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for the call today. Congratulations again on falling. I hope to catch one of these shows out there on the road, too. All right. See you there. All right. Yeah, looking forward right. to seeing you in person. All right. It's a pleasure, y'all. Take care. You too. And my thanks to the band Dude York, Peter, Claire, and Andrew. The brand new album is called Falling, and it's out now. And hey, before you get out of here, don't forget there's a subscribe button in front of you. If you haven't hit it, I hope you take that moment uh, to, to keep up with the series right here. You can do that anywhere, anywhere you get your favorite podcast from. But that does include iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube as well. And after that, you can head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. There's uh, new songs, music news, anniversary celebrations, uh, more interviews. In fact, there are bonus interviews that you can find at WFPK.org. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, Facebook, slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.